podcast where two friends discuss and drink to their favorite cozy mysteries. I'm Carolyn Wilkie. And I'm Sabrina Moshausen. Did you see the news, Sabrina? Came out right before we got on this phone call. I've seen much news. You mean that Supernatural is ending after 15 seasons? That is in fact the news I was talking about. I was about to say, was it mullet or was it Supernatural? Uh, I text, This is what I texted my friend. And I'm going to read you the text because we watched, when I was living in England, we watched all seven seasons in three and a half, or two and a half weeks. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Serena, when did you sleep? Uh, we did not. I went to bed every morning at like <laughs> seven in the morning, my time. She was in Cleveland. So, um, yeah, it was, it was great. So, OMG, Supernatural is ending. The apocalypse is truly upon us. OMG, thank God. This is her. I hope Jensen and Jared can recover their careers. <laughs> they have to do one more season, but it's finally over for them. 15 seasons. It literally should have ended 10 seasons ago. Right? In Terrorbang. I hope they can both do greater things. Me too, especially Jensen. Yes, he's so good. He deserves a shot. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I get so angry. This is her. I get so angry. It was such a good show for the first five seasons. Then they killed it, dug up the corpse, fucked it, reburied it, and pulled it up again to play Weekend at Bernie's, called its mother, and taunted it, fucked it again, and set it on fire. So, uh, do you know I have never actually seen a single season of Supernatural? I've seen like like, one off episodes here and there, but I've never watched it. That the first five episodes are the only episodes worth watching. We mean it. We watched it in two and a half weeks. I believe you. Do you know why I've never actually sat down and watched Supernatural? No. So, Supernatural premiered. When I was in college. Okay. And I was going to the University of Kansas. And I actually consider, because of how I moved around in my childhood, but always came back, Lawrence, Kansas, to be my hometown. Ah. Where are the brothers from? Ah, ah, yes, yes. I can imagine that you might have some feelings. Americans are weird. So, we were very, very excited to sit down and watch the premiere of this show. It was me and a couple of my friends. I had this one guy friend who was also really into like fantasy, you know, this kind of bullshit. And so we all sat around and hit their apartment and the show premieres and it's the Impala like pulling up to a house with a front fucking Kansas license plate. And while front license plates are common in many of the 50 states, they have never been a requirement in the state of Kansas. I was just so galled by the fact (laughs) that they didn't bother getting this one fucking detail right, which wouldn't have been hard to get right. Literally, all they would have had to do would be Google, should I use two license plates in the state of Kansas? No, front one is not required. We had fucking Google back then. (laughs) That I just was like, well, they clearly don't give two shits about the actual show. I don't think Kripke really cares. If you read about how Kripke came up with this show, he definitely did not care that it was set in Kansas. It could have been set in, like, Maine. 
for all he cared. Like, I think it was just... Well, then it would have been a Stephen King knockoff. Yeah. So, basically, he didn't want it to be a Stephen King knockoff. I have the books for the first, like, four seasons. Like, the behind-the-scenes books with all the shit and stuff in them. I, uh-huh. I know way too much about this show, and I can't wait for it to be erased from my memory. <laughs> well... What's how? Ha- what is what is helping you with that tonight? Oh, what are you drinking? I'm drinking. Okay, I'm drinking a 2017 Boga. Okay, it is spelt B O G L E, and it has two birds on it. So I want to pronounce it Vogel, like for bird in German, but I know that's not right. It's like Bogle or something, <laughs> like Bogle Vineyards from California. It is a 2017 Sauvignon Blanc, and I feel like I haven't had a Sauvignon Blanc in a really long time on the show. I don't think you have. And, um, I have a cold. Again. I haven't had a cold since Christmas, but I have a cold again. And I thought it was allergies. And I was like, this is, I've never had allergies in my life except to weed. And that's a very specific reaction. Like, I know what happens. So I was like, is this what seasonal allergies is like? What is this? I wonder what this is like. And then I was like, oh no, it's just a fucking cold. Never mind. I will have you know, I didn't develop my allergies until about when I turned 30. So you could still get yes, them. Yes, everyone says that they grow in you as you live in a place. But I i don't stay in places long enough to really develop <laughs> allergies. So I'm fine. Well, tonight I am drinking um, a bottle I got on sale. And I oh, mine was $9.99. So after tax, it was over $10. So proud of you. So proud of you. Mine was uh, nine-ish on sale, plus tax, so ten-ish. Uh, this is uh, Anciano uh, Tempranillo. It's a 2010 reserve. My favorite part about this bottle, though, is that it says años five years. Like it says años on one side, five in the big, you know, middle script, and then years on the other yes. side. But that's the, like... of this is in Spanish, and then they just decided to tack the the years on, like people wouldn't. Now, is it correct with this, the um, tilde above the N? Of course it is. (laughs) It is an actual Spanish wine. I don't know. Yes, yes, The reason I actually like this wine, that I chose this wine, is because its it's label was nice. It has embossed... uh, these are pheasants. It has gold embossed pheasants on it, but that's about it. It's not exciting. So I was like, okay, this is a serious bottle of wine. <laughs> I'm glad you have a serious wine for a very serious episode. Oh, God. <laughs> I am so glad that we're almost finished with this. Jesus Christ. Are you ready to get right back right into uh, it? Of course I am. Today we're watching season one. Episode 4 of Psych. Woman seeking dead husband. Smokers okay. No pets. I I get what they're going for with these titles. I just can't get behind the ones they actually pick. So the thing about it is, though, when you got puns, this one actually matched what was happening. I But, yeah, but there was not, no... No, it didn't. There was, like... This is a personal ad title, and there is no reference whatsoever to personal ads. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I mean. Like, I see what they were doing with this one. 
but they don't match like the last one where um it was like or forever hold your what was it peace, peace spelled p i e c e but and there was no peace to be had so they're disappointing they're disappointing they are they are they could try a little harder well as psych is so want to do they started off with a flashback um heading into 1989 and we see young sean on a stakeout with his dad and they are trying to catch the bad guy and that happens to be their not so sneaky neighbor who has been stealing their newspaper and this had fucking no connection with the rest of the show like i don't understand like well, it did a little bit in that Juliet and Lassiter go on their their quote unquote stakeout, but like it didn't have any connection with Sean. Yeah, and that's what so I, I mean, wasn't like, really sure why they pulled it. And it didn't have anything to do minus him like googling old newspaper articles to be. I was so impressed that actually Sean did research this yeah, episode. Yeah, <laughs> it it was just like it's one of those things where. I don't know. It didn't match, and I think they were just giving Papa his scene so he could get paid, which I guess is... Yeah, this is another very dad light episode. Which he wasn't in it at all, which, fine. Not at all. He was in the flashback and then not. Dad light and Gus Heavy, actually. It was Gus Heavy. But we flash forward to present day after the title sequence, and Sean is waiting for Chief Vic in her birthing chair and it's clear where we're, we're establishing that Sean and Gus are like a common presence around yeah. the uh, police station slash library. And uh, he's like, Gus, you got to try the chair. You got to try the chair doing his usual Sean thing. And then Gus finally tries the chair and then who should see, but police chief, Vic. This episode reminds me of the stupid show I show my French 3 and French 4 students called Extra. And Extra was a series of like of language learning uh, comedy shows. They're like friends, but in French, uh, German, Spanish. No, French, German, Spanish, and for English language learners. And the mm-hmm. same guy is Sam, who is the richest, one of the richest men in America. And he comes to Madrid and London and Berlin to like hide from being his rich responsibilities in America. And this scene reminds me when you meet one of the characters named Sasha, if you touch her exercise bike, she goes crazy. So Nico Nico, who is this kind of, like, jock actor dude, Nico tells Sam that Sasha, like, loves buff guys, so you should definitely go on the exercise bike for a really long time. So Sam does, because he doesn't (laughs) understand the language, and he doesn't understand joking. So Sasha comes in, and she's like, what the fuck are you doing on my bike? Sasha's a bitch. (laughs) Well, Sean is... Like, doing as usual, you want us on the case thing. Chief Vic, as usual, is like, we don't need a psychic. And he's like, no, 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 I distinctly heard the word psychic. And she's like, no, Mrs. Wilcroft visits psychics. I actually really loved this line from Chief Vic. She was like, 
uh, crimes were solved before you got here, and they continue to be solved without you. Yes. <laughs> Shut him down, Chief Vic. But then she doesn't anyway, because Sean is Sean, and he wants to go meet this psychic-loving widow. And so he kind of, you know, just wanders over to where Lassiter and Juliet are interviewing the woman Raylene Wilcroft. And he does his whole, like, ooh, I'm a psychic thing. And her reaction is positive for once. And the minute Gus sees this, he goes, oh, oh, hello. We can do consult. (laughs) And he gives her his card. I don't... I thought this was really strange, but at the same time, we've been kind of waiting for Gus to show any sign of, like, anything other than being a sidekick. Exactly. Yeah. But the next day, we actually get to see Sean do some research. So what the whole thing was is that Raylene is the widow of a bank robber who died right after the robbery because he was the one who was designated to hide the money and the other two robbers have got have gotten caught and have just been released from jail and the cops are afraid that those two convicts will attempt to harm Raylene to find the money oh no oh no oh no the blonde woman (laughs) In fear for her life. I know. Oh dear. Oh dear. Whatever shall we do? I got Susan Smith vibes from her immediately. I don't know who Susan Smith is. You don't know who Susan Smith is. Susan Smith was a a woman in South Carolina who drowned her kids by pushing her car into a lake and then accused some black dudes of kidnapping them and murdering them. And it was her. Yeah. So um, this was years ago. Years and years ago. Mm -hmm. Let me check. Susan Smith. It's such a, like, murder. (laughs) Oh, there's been a movie. Uh, Susan Lee Vaughn Smith is an American convict who was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole for seven thirty years for murdering her two children, three-year-old Michael and 14-month-old Alexander. So... Oh, my God. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And she literally was like, these black guys pulled me out of my car and took it. Yeah. And killed my babies. That's... That's very South Carolina for for you. Yes, on October 25th, 1994, Smith reported to police that her vehicle had been carjacked by a black man who drove away with her son still inside. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, she just let it roll into a lake. Ugh. Well, Sean does some research into Raylene's story because he loves a shiny object. And he finds out that the it was super rainy and... Um, that's why the car drove off the road and lo and behold, Gus walks in and Raylene is sitting in the office. He also notices that Sean has taken down a wall in their rental. Oh my God. Yeah, I would have. Yeah, yeah, I would have killed him. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's not load bearing. God damn it, Sean. Go stand in the attic. Like really? Fuck you. 
I would have been like, give me the lease right now. Uh, I'm taking my name off of it. Well, Raylene is their first ever paying client. Nice. That's not the police station. How much does the police pay them? That's I know that's probably never established, but like, how much does a psychic go been. for? I mean, it's got to be a couple thousand, do you think? Are they consultants on a retainer? No, I think they're just getting like tip line money. Oh, okay kind of reward things okay. or if they do they have like i don't think they're on retainer i think it's definitely on a per case kind of contract yeah. basis yeah because she doesn't bring them in all the time that's very true so are they like is this a gig economy like it, i think it is proto gig it's psych like, it's psych like uber it's psych gig it's psych <laughs> you'll go to hell hires them to track down her dead husband because he was the one who was supposed to bury the money and she's like if i don't give it to them they'll kill me like bad acting is just a thing on this show so it's not that like her bad acting ticked me off but like that was extra bad i don't know i definitely got a little tipped off yeah no like i said i got susan smith vibes from her you know, mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, but I had that frame of reference. I mean, I've just been trained to think that most of the blonde women in these things are <laughs> hiding something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't trust blonde women, blonde white women, because what, 52% of them voted for Trump? Hashtag, oh, I went there. Yeah. Hashtag, we go there all the time. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, I'm trying Hashtag to tie in communism somehow. on our fucking somehow. Strava, we run it so much. <laughs> I know. I think, I feel like we should put, um, in the, in, on Spotify, this should be under the, like, political <laughs> podcast. In recognizing a communist, physical appearance counts for nothing. It's not necessary. Like, yeah, we talk about murder mysteries, but most of the time I'm on, I'm on a rant about communism, which won't happen in, in this episode. See, the problem with this one is just, it's so bad that the themes are just... Can't even redeem it with socialism. I know, right? It's just, it's just all <laughs> happening. Right away, Gus is all like, we have to help her. She needs to go to the police and you don't know how to speak to the dead. And... I was honestly, like, super on Sean's side about this. Like, he's a fake psychic for everything. Why can't he be a fake psychic about talking to the dead? Yeah, but, like, Gus had a point. Gus was like, you are a fake psychic. Like, I mean, all psychics are fake. Fuck them. Uh, but, like... I'm not saying that that she shouldn't have gotten her protection from the police, but, like, number one, the police... She was in the fucking police station. It wasn't, like... Like, if she is going to be offered protection, she should have been offered protection then and there. Yes. And she wasn't going to be. And so I don't see how anything would have changed with Sean or Gus, you know, like, saying, yeah, we'll totally, you know, seance your dead husband. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, it may, like, Gus's argument makes sense. I mean, the idea that she should be under protection makes sense, but also we've already seen that she's not going to be under protection. Yes. So why shouldn't she be trying to find the money? Yes. 
And then, therefore, I was on Sean's side because Sean can help her find the money. Yes. And has to pretend to be a psychic. But he always, he's going to do that anyway. (laughs) That's how she got, he got her walking in the door. Well, we cut directly from that argument to another one where Juliet and Lassiter are staking out the newly released robbers. And they're having sex talk yeah. with laws. But here's the thing. Fuck cops. Oh, no, that's that's later. Oh, yeah, they that's haven't later. gone there yet. I'm sorry. I did watch this earlier this week. And um, I don't remember it too tough. Well, this is particularly... This is... Uh, and just an exposition scene. Okay. So okay. basically what we're, we're, we learned that um, Lassiter is the one who caught them and it was never quite wrapped up because there's still $3.6 million missing. So that's actually quite a bit of incentive. Yes, I remember this. Now. But they watch the convicts walk into a hotel and Juliet goes, you know, they don't actually look that mean. And she ends up being right. I know. I like, I actually really liked Juliet in this episode. Yeah. I thought. Yeah, I like Juliet too. And I like Juliet in general. But like, once again, she's one of those sympathetic cops that very rarely exists. I don't, I, I coached with a cop. I coached with the school resource officer for two years. And like, mm-hmm. his temper would get out of control. And I was like, oh man. You're going to end up on, like, the telly beating some poor child. Everyone's like, oh, you just hate cops because your dad told you to hate cops. And I'm like, yes, that's called racial memory. (laughs) And it's very strong amongst black people, and I'm wondering why. When I came to America, I didn't know the stereotype that black people can't swim. Because in Germany, to go to kindergarten, you have to prove that you can swim. So everyone can swim. It's not, it's not a racial thing. And I surfed, you know, I was, I was in the water constantly. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a strong mm-hmm. swimmer. Uh, I love surfing. I love anything to do with water. So when I came to America, there was this stereotype that black people can't swim. And my dad can't swim very well. He had to for the military, but it's more like, can he tread water? Yes, he can. But he's not a big fan of water. So like my mother was into it. But, um, so I came to America and I was like, that's a dumb stereotype. I wonder what that is. I learned later that pools were segregated, mostly in white neighborhoods. And when desegregation of pools happened, people did shit like throw acid in the swimming pool. So, yeah, yeah, and that was during my dad's, when my dad was growing up. So, like, cops, fuck cops. Cops have brutalized black people for years and years and years, and I will never like cops. And it's very hard for me to watch shows with cops, which we're doing, and Mm -hmm. be at all sympathetic to them ever at all. So when Sean gets something over on Lassiter, I'm like, do that, fuck cops. But I'm also like, (laughs) I fucking hate Sean. So it's like, oh (laughs) my god, this is the worst. Rock in a hard place. Yeah, it is a rock, rock in a hard, hard place for me. And th- like this has once again nothing to do with socialism, except if your socialism isn't intersectional, it's not real socialism. Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Hashtag. God. I'm still going there. 
All old white men are on notice. And old white women, Elizabeth Warren, who's talking about getting rid of the Electoral College and fucking reparations, as if she's cared about that in the last 20 years. I mean, I can, I, I see where you're coming from on that. I also think that you can become more progressive. Oh yeah, no, no, you definitely can. And I also can. think that... You definitely can, but... And I, and I also think that at this point, it's unlikely Warren gets the vote, so she's more like... And I know it's where you're out. So I think it's more that she is trying to do the whole push it left yeah. situation. Yeah. We're desperately trying to push the Overton window to the left, and it's because it's so far right at this point that even me just saying, maybe people shouldn't die because they can't pay for their insulin, is seen as some, like, oh, you just want America to be like Venezuela statement. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. fuck you. And so, oh, I guess we did go a little bit into socialism, but not. <laughs> I'm not trying. I'm just saying, like... Like, white people, white people, I know you are trying to just get a bigger base. Yeah, well, I mean, you gotta have a bigger base. But, like, let not white people talk about these things. Well, I think the issue is that Kamala Harris isn't talking about it. Yeah, because Kamala Harris is a cop, <laughs> is a bootlicker. And I'm sorry, like, I don't care. You didn't do enough as a prosecutor, to make sure that the laws you were prosecuting for were fair. And you spent years in law school being deprogrammed from, like, and I'm just like, fuck it, fuck it. Kamala Harris, okay. Like, I I understand. We spend a lot of time in white. I understand her perfectly because I'm like this, and a lot of people are like, a lot of times you you lose your blackness because you, you are so caught up with not trying to go to prison or being killed or a whole list of other things. So I understand Kamala intensely, but like, stop it. Stop it and black people will take you seriously. Well, and I think she's another one where who has come yeah. a lot more progressive mm -hmm. But no one's taking anybody seriously because they weren't progressive their entire career. True. And I think that's kind of an issue. I will vote for anyone, really. But I'm yeah, not sure. I'm not making my choices now because I don't have to make my choices now. I I can be picky right now. I will just let the momentum take me. But <laughs> I want to remind them that they need to stay progressive. They're being progressive now because we are in a moment where progressive voices are particularly loud. Now, mm -hmm. will they stay that way? I don't know. And that's what's, that's really what's bothering me. It's not that they're having these progressive ideas now. You woke up. Thank fuck. Like, awesome. Well, and I think, I think to, to that point, Warren has always been progressive about certain things. Yes. She is very much about big, like curbing big business oh, yeah. and has always been about curbing big business. And so that she is becoming more socially progressive makes sense to me because she has that background. She has a big background, but like curbing big business also has to come with giving the power back to the worker. 
just because you're busting monopolies does not these then these companies Google needs to be owned by the people who work at Google. They don't need to be owned by CEOs. They don't need to be CEOs anymore. Jeff Bezos needs to jump off a cliff. Amazon needs to be owned by the people who are sorting our packages and sending them to us in two days. One day, sometimes. So, so when breaking up monopolies and breaking up businesses needs to have a such a strong labor component and she's forgetting that labor component she's not talking about that labor component and it's not there i respect her for wanting to break up monopolies and breaking up big business that's important but if you don't couple it with labor demands labor rights living wages uh uh worker-owned companies you're gonna lose because just because at&t was broken up doesn't mean now that it doesn't own direct tv and fucking like Viacom, you know, mm -hmm. AT and T has well, just I think, become I think a, her, a, a of, of all of them. She is the one that does have the most nuanced takes on everything. Mm -hmm. The one who actual has actual policy and actual yeah, things. I agree to to support labor, like the child universal child care. Yeah, things like that. She is of everybody. She is the one who actually has those kinds of policies in place. I mean, it's not where we would want everybody to be, obviously. I was I was talking to my mom, and I was like, if all 25 candidates merged into one, it would be perfect. Like, it was just, it was like... If you could pick and choose, rather. Because I think on the average, they would actually be terrible. <laughs> if I could choose Bernie's Medicare for All and Elizabeth's... Uh, company busting monopoly busting and kamala's like ref like I don't know, kamala's blackness actually like it's like <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna be straight up at kamala's blackness and andrew yang's caring um like and uh Buttigieg, Buttigieg, and like i like things of all of them mm -hmm. i want a black female candidate who has always been a socialist as super progressive and will spit on Donald Trump's grave. Like, who would say, well, I will spit on Donald Trump's grave? <laughs> like, I love every single one of these Democratic candidates for some reason. Mm -hmm. Minus Beto O'Rourke. <laughs> I actually like him for certain things also. But I have a lot of reservations. I like him for those same reasons I like John Edwards. And John Edwards ended up being exactly like a white man from South Carolina. Even though I think he was from North Carolina. <laughs> so I was like, God fucking damn it. <laughs> like, they always let me down. And Beto O'Rourke has done the same thing. I'm just like, God. He's like optimistic and like shiny and brilliant and he doesn't let a loss get him down and I'm like yes and then he's like fucking better he shouldn't be running for president yeah he should be running for president he should try again for senator and so I like each and every single one of these people for for one or two reasons and if I could just take those one or two reasons and like crisper them together in some horrific like animal human hybrid that doesn't exist by the way animal human hybrids in china doesn't exist don't listen to fucking joe rogan but that's another story 
Oh no. Yeah. Oh my god. Anyway, they don't exist. But if they did, and I could do it, I would create the perfect candidate. Also, yes, fucking get rid of the Electoral College. It's a holdover from fucking slavery. Like, I can't believe we're still talking about this, but we are. And let's get back to the show, because we've been talking about this <laughs> for like 45 minutes now. Gus walks in on Sean holding a seance. Oh, with the fan. <laughs> I actually liked how he was holding a fake seance and everyone was fucking into it. That, I actually really enjoyed this scene. Yeah, I thought that this part was the best part we have seen of Sean for quite some time. I thought, like, Sean taking on the client, Sean being like, no, dude, let me, like, actually use my powers to do this thing that this person wants me to do, whether or not it gets done because they think I'm talking to their dead husband or not. doesn't matter. What's really funny is John Oliver had a thing about psychics, and we've been watching Psych, mm-hmm. and in the psychic, he, he, he shows what psychics do to make it look like they're being psychic. And Sean is hitting all of them. Like, he's, like, digging for information. Like, he's throwing out questions that are leading. So people who think that they're talking directly about their person will, like, shout out, Oh my god, that's my cousin, uncle, father. Uh-huh. So, like, the I had just seen the episode about psych- John Oliver's episode about psychics before watching this episode. Like, I watched the episode about with John Oliver on Monday, and I watched this episode on Wednesday. And so it was like, I was like, oh my god, I hate when that happens. That That's an effect. What is that called? See, I love when that happens. And that has happened to me so often recently. Um, in fact, it happened to me, like, I heard, I had never heard the term crust punk before. And then it popped up in two different places the same day. Oh, nice. And then you were talking to me, you literally, we were doing this we were doing this podcast and you were talking to me about uh, received pronunciation and explaining that to me. And then literally I listened to a podcast the next day where somebody brought up the term received pronunciation. And I was like, well, I know what that is now. <laughs> I'm going to look up what that's called. But like, okay, so my students tell me this all the time. And they're like, why do you know so much stuff about stuff? And I'm like, because... I think about it, and then it shows up the next day, and it's not, I'm not a smart person. I'm not, I, I enjoy learning. That's all that I can say about myself, but I'm not, like, smart. I just collect shit like a, like a magpie or a hermit crab. I'm not, like, I just go to bigger shells. I'm not smart. I just enjoy absorbing. (laughs) But, like, I just enjoy absorbing information. So I'm going to look up that effect Keep talking about Sean. Uh, well, Sean learns that the dead guy was on the run from uh, for three days before he died. Um, that he called in, uh, he called Raylene's cousin from a payphone in Pismo, um, which is near where his cousin Roger lives. And Gus gets so angry at this seance that he like drags Sean off to the side and they start having an argument when someone shatters the window and then the boys go get tacos yeah this shattering window it didn't come with a menacing note it didn't come with a didn't do like it didn't do anything 
And it was never explained. Like, not to, like, to loop around. It was never like, you shattered my window at the end of the thing. It just didn't come up again, really. All right, I found it. What is it's it called? It's called the Beta-Meinhof phenomenon. Of course, it's fucking German. <laughs> if not, then you... Beta-Meinhof is a phenomenon where one stumbles upon some obscure piece of information, often an unfamiliar word or name, and soon afterwards encounters the same subject again, often repeatedly. Blah, blah, blah. The reason for this is our brain's prejudice towards patterns. Mm-hmm. Our brains are fantastic. And then... Uh, Beta Manhoff phenomenon was coined on a discussion thread on the St. Paul Pioneer Press circa 1995. So it's not a, it's, it hasn't had a name for very long. Wow, that's cool. Today I learned on Wine and Murder. <laughs> it, and the, you know the what, this might come up tomorrow. name nowadays is Frequency Illusion by Stanford Linguistics Professor Arnold Zwicky. That's way less fun. Yeah, so I'm going to call it the Beta Meinhof because I'm German. Well... Sean decides they need more information. So they go down to the police station, but Julia won't let them see the case file. So Sean notices the desk officer from the first episode, the one who uh, liked to contact psychics about her grandmother. Yes. And he tricks her into taking him into the records room where he has her close her eyes while he does the same kind of thing, leading questions, et cetera, et cetera. I'm seeing a W, and she's like, Walter, my evil, or her evil ex-husband or something like, yeah. So, once again, better mind And he nearly gets caught on their way out because she sees the notes he's taken on his hand, and she's like, it's a message from the spirits, what does he say? And he's like, I think I should keep this one to myself. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was... This is, I think, the best Sean we've gotten. And I actually really like that they brought back a character from the first yeah, episode. Yeah, like, I love call- callbacks are literally my favorite thing in comedy. So, since mm-hmm. this is a comedy show, I was like, ah, look at a callback. Sean sneaks into Gus's apartment and they head off in the little hatchback to the cemetery where Willcroft is buried that the cousin owns. And on his way, Sean finally calls Gus out on his BS. (laughs) This scene was particularly funny to me because Gus is like bluffing and bluffing and bluffing about why he has this, why he cares so much about Raylene. And he goes, she reminds me of my babysitter. But the whole time Stacy's mom is playing on the radio. (laughs) I was like watching the episode and I heard the song in the background and I was like, why does the song sound so fun? Oh! Stacy's mom has got it going on. Has got it going, it going on. on. <laughs> yeah. They get to the door at the cemetery to talk to Cousin Roger, but, and no one answers, but Gus, and another callback, the super smeller. Oh, yeah. Smell, sniffs out. The laundry vent and the clean scent of dryer sheets. They go around back because they know somebody's home. And who should they run into? But David Wilcroft. Who's not unattractive. And, and, oh my God, this, I'm so excited. We're being so topical tonight. He's a five Canadian actor. (laughs) 
Good day and welcome to the Great White North uh, Canadian Corner. And I I didn't really know where I recognized him from. I just knew he kind of like looked familiar. Um, he's been in all of the BC shows. So what I recognized him from once I looked at his IMDb was uh, Stargate SG-1. Hold on. Hold on. A, I think like two characters. I think I was like, that's a hot dude. And he was also in X-Men 2, like X2 X-Men United as Dr. Uh, Hank McCoy. Okay. Oh! Um. Really? He's been in Republic of Doyle. He's been in When Call the Heart. But the most important discovery I found is he's in this series of TV movies done by Lifetime called Garage Sale Mystery. And I had and I had never heard of Garage Sale Mystery. So I clicked through to see what Garage Sale Mystery was all about. And guess who is the lead actress? Of all the garage sale mystery ooh, movies. Ooh. Pregnant lady. Lori Laughlin. Oh! <laughs> Aunt Becky. The woman who just got arrested for the college scandal. I don't really care about school. Damn it, Beta Meinhof. Damn it. <laughs> Damn you, Beta Meinhof. He's in Andromeda. Has he been in Supernatural? I wouldn't be surprised. Let's find out. No, he has not. Yes, he has! He's not the sexy! Oh my god! He's not the sexy! He's in every. Oh my god! It is one of my favorite episodes, Changing Channels. Oh my god! I knew I recognized him! Oh my god. Yep, yep. Oh, he's even. The, his screen caps even in his IMDb picture. <laughs> Oh, Changing Channels was such a funny episode. Like, it was like Groundhog Day meets you getting caught in television shows. Nice. Like, it was really funny. Oh, my God. And Sam kept dying. And uh, they got caught in, like, TV shows because an angel was, like, mad at them for something. Anyway, it's... Every time you try to explain a Supernatural episode, you realize how weird it is, and then you're like, fuck this, why did I watch this? Oh, it's because <laughs> Jensen Ackles and Jared Padalecki are the most beautiful people in the universe. On They are very pretty. They are not- they are on my Sean Bean scale, but below Sean Bean, Tom Hardy, and Travis Fimmel. Because- Good to know. Because- um, they're too, like, wholesome American for me, and their teeth are too straight, and they're too buff. Like, Tom Hardy is buff, but he's got they're a- They're too perfect. Tom Hardy is buff, but he's got a belly. Sean Bean is- has a scar on his face from getting in a bar fight. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Travis Fimmel probably smells like a dumpster. So, like, he's beautiful- <laughs> And he's got nice, perfect teeth, but, uh, and, you know, was a Calvin Klein model, but he does not really take care of himself. Well, David's excuse for faking his death is that he got in over his head. And within minutes, Sean realizes he has lost the money. He plays this, like, dumb jock, and I'm just like, oh, poor thing. Like, like, and this, and then I was like, oh, God, I feel bad for him because he's attractive. <laughs> 
Well, he's attractive and dumb. It's hard not to like him. You don't know, I don't know if anyone knows me, but I evaluate everything I watch through a socialist lens. And it's not that I don't enjoy the things that I watch. It's that I evaluate everything I'm watching through a socialist, anti-capitalist lens. And I was like, oh God, this guy has been typecasted as an attractive dumb jock. And he's white. He's got longish brown hair. He's like, you know, he's... And they comment on how nice his hair is frequently. Multiple times. So I'm like, oh God, he's got the... He's Becky with the good hair. And I'm supposed to be sympathetic to him. And I immediately pegged that, like, as I was watching it. And I think a lot of people would think, God, that must ruin everything for you. It doesn't. But it gives everything a veneer of instant taking me. I can't watch things and lose myself in them, which is probably a problem. But I literally am watching everything with this, A, this is a show. So I'm thinking about how the cameras are working, how the direction is, how the script is, how this is. And then B, this is, it's my thesis. So it's all about critical discourse analysis. What is this show saying about the social practices of the current, this current time? So this show was filmed in the mid-2000s. What does it say? This is pre-the economic collapse. So, so in case you think I don't enjoy watching shows like this, I actually do. <laughs> no one else would. I'm not saying you have to watch shows like this. I'm saying you can watch mindless television and just be mindless. Nothing I watch is mindless. So watching... Uh, watching this with Steve Bassick and um, Will Croft, I was like, okay, I'm finding him attractive. Why do I find him attractive? It's because media has told me that white guys that look like this are attractive. And, you know, is Gus attractive to me? Well, yes, but I have to, like, work to find Gus attractive. And I find Gus attractive for reasons other than his appearance. So it's really interesting. Like, I was immediately attracted to Wilcroft. I was like, damn, he's hot. But with Gus, it's like, he's hot because he's funny and smart and kind of a nerd. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Let me work on this. I didn't actually find Wilcroft that hot. <laughs> he looks like Jared Padalecki. Yeah, got a little bit. I don't know. I, I don't find Jared Padalecki that hot either. I don't know. I am a Sam girl only because I like Sam, not because I like Jared Padalecki. But, um, but, so, anyway, but it was like, as I was, if you're ever curious as to how I watch shows, this is how I watch shows. Like, all the time. Like, the fact that they're always killing women in Swedish murder mysteries, I'm like, what is this saying about how Sweden views women? And then, when, since I'm doing my master's degree, with a Swedish university, I'm learning so much more about like Swedish like politics and 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 like how they deal with sexuality and stuff like that. So it's really super fucking interesting. But also, you do not want to be in my brain. I swear to God, I I know there's something wrong with me. But like every time I talk about how I consume media. I realize there's a fuck ton wrong with me. I don't know if it's wrong, it's just different. Oh god, nobody would want to do this. Just enjoy your media. Enjoy your media, kids. <laughs> Even though uh, they have found him, they decide not to turn David in. 
Um, Sean knows that, like, there's still something missing before putting all the pieces together. I got it, too. Like, Sean was like, this isn't quite right. Something's weird here. Yeah. And at the office, Gus immediately rats out David to Raylene. And Sean's like, what the fuck? We were totally not going to tell her. And he's like, what? We never said that. (sighs) Gus, fucking everything up. But Sean reassures her. Don't worry, we have a plan to put the convicts back in jail. And we cut to Lassiter and Juliet, who are still on their stakeout. And this is where they are having their nerd off. They're flooding each other's laws. Here's the problem. Cops are under no obligation to know the law. They can assume something is illegal, but they're under no obligation to know the law. But I did like this as a character moment. I did like this as a character moment. Juliet specifically, because she has consistently challenged Lassiter's authority. Yes. And this is her attempting to do that with proof. Yes. Because his justifications are bullshit. His justifications are that I want to do this, uh-huh. right? And she's like, no, we should actually have justifications to do this. Yes. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because Sean pops up in the back seat. What the fuck? So here's the thing I don't like about this, like, Sean popping up. Did they have the back seats unlocked? Or did he jimmy the lock? Like... He appropriately shames them for not noticing. Yeah. And while chatting about the case and how he wants to put them back in jail, they lose the purse. Yes. Like a dumbass. But Gus saw. So... Sean attempts to break and enter into their hotel room. And now Gus has a problem with it. Yeah, I'm like, (laughs) this is weird. But they get caught. And uh, Sean tries to give them a message from beyond about how David is concerned you're going to harm Raylene. And they start laughing. And they, they start. They crack. I'm like, what? (laughs) So one of them is like, you're a psychic, right? All right. We're going to give you a psychic test. How many fingers am I holding up? And through some canny reflection work, Sean manages to pass his test with flying colors. But they reveal that David didn't miss the turn and run off the road He was trying to get away from Raylene. And Raylene was called the Viper. She was the mastermind of the whole thing. So with that in mind and knowing that Juliet and Lassiter are out in the front parking lot, Sean and Gus escape through the bathroom window and go to a mausoleum that they suddenly know to go to. No, they had mentioned, she had mentioned where David Wilcroft was murdered. So, like, they know, oh. they know together. It was the the cousin's, Robert, the cousin, it was his mausoleum. So they knew together. Okay. So, yeah. Well, they, they run, they drive to the mausoleum, and they rush in, and Raylene has a gun on David. And so she turns the gun on them, and Sean bluffs that the money is left in uh, David's crypt. Yeah. That's actually a really good bluff because that's actually something that's done. Yeah. He was like, no, dude, I just think it'd be like, I don't, I mean, I don't know that the money's there, but he and Gus get into a little side argument while David busts the crypt open and she's like, okay, well, what are you waiting for? Go get the money. And he was like, oh, I was waiting for that. And then the two convicts come running in 
she's like, well, none of you have a gun. And then you hear Juliet's voice and she goes, are you sure about that? And then the Juliet, then Lassiter arrests her. And we flash to the police station slash library where Chief Vic says that the Wilcrofts are pleading the fifth and there's too many loose ends. Um, Sean tries clumsily to give Lassiter credit for solving the whole case. And Lassiter's like, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to get me to admit, say it. And I'm never going to say those words. Yeah, this was a weird scene. I was like, this... So, the thing is, when a scene goes on too long, I'm instantly shut off. Like, that's why I hate Saturday Night Live. Like, as soon as I get the joke, I'm like, okay, you can stop now. But then they go on for three additional minutes. And that was the scene. <laughs> that was the scene. I was like, okay, I got it. You can stop. The button on the episode is that Sean and Gus are off to Kalish Loop to find the money, and Sean reveals that there's not just the one Kalish Loop that David used, or David dug up, but a second Kalish Loop that is out of service. So if they find that money, what happens to it? Do they have to return uh, to I think the they were... The, it sounded like they were planning on turning it. Okay. I just... Based on just Sean's being like, no, 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 I have to have a psychic vision about it. Oh, okay. So he was actually going to turn it in. Vic- like, I would have kept yeah. that shit. I know, right? But then they would, I mean, they have, I guarantee you, they had the serial numbers on it, so. Yeah, but they didn't have to stay in California to spend it. Well, but here's the thing. A lot of times with bank robberies or other high value things, you get a percentage of it. Bank robberies are federal. Uh, I think that's only if they, they might be. I don't know. The point is, most of the time with those kind of things, you do actually get a percentage if you turn the money in. Yeah, but it comes after a really long time. Yeah, Sean doesn't give a fuck. True. <laughs> Sean, Sean is used to having no income. That's true. Sean is doing this for the, the laughs. <laughs> He's doing it for the lulls. He's doing it for the lulls. Oh, fuck. Oh, Ugh, he's a 4chan person. (laughs) Well, Sabrina, did you figure it out? Yeah, because I had that Susan Smith feeling really early on. Yeah. I did too. I like the minute she walked into their office and was just like, they're going to kill me. I'm like, nah, bitch, you're, you're in charge of this whole thing. And I mean, I will admit I have seen all of these episodes before, but it has been a very long time since I've seen them. I think for me, it's like, they're not going to kill you. They don't want to go back to prison. Like, yeah, since I do that, since I do that, I'm watching this in triple time. (laughs) Like, since I'm watching this in trouble time, I'm like, these two people do not want to go back to prison. <laughs> like, yeah, they absolutely do not. So they're not going to want to kill you. Because that's more time in prison. And for the black dude, yeah. that's more time in prison being harassed by the correctional officers. Mm-hmm. So I had the Susan Smith vibes. Like, oh, dude, this black dude's going to kill me. And then I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah, I got it. Pretty quickly. There was no... Did you like there this There was episode? no death. I actually... There was no death and there were no red herrings. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess there were maybe the convicts were red herrings, but they didn't do anything. They didn't do a good job. They did nothing to make Their red herrings are such bad jobs that they're yeah. not... They're, they're like flimsy. They're very flimsy red herrings. Like you said, albino herrings. I totally agree with that. Um, <laughs> but 
I actually like this episode more than I liked the previous three. And it was probably because there was no dad. And Sean yep. wasn't... And pro- I can absolutely say if the psychic episode hadn't been on, I wouldn't have liked it as much. It it definitely was that there was some... Because con- that's how I watch shows. I am mm-hmm. deep in the beta manhof. Like, when things connect <laughs> to things I already know, I like them more. So it was probably that I was... I, I saw Sean's tricks, so I enjoyed mm-hmm. them more. Or that I was like... I, think- I was in on it. You know what I mean? So I was like, okay. Yeah, definitely. So I was definitely... You... I swear we need to do, like, a video podcast one day because my hands are, like, going fucking insane. (laughs) I liked this episode in that I really liked Sean in this episode. This, I think, was the strongest Sean episode we've had. I had fun with Uh, Gus. I See, okay, so Gus is a black... But, no, it was the weakest Gus episode. It was, I thought. But I think... And that really disappointed me. It's like, I want all of the things to line up so that I get a strong Sean, I get a strong Gus, and I get no dad. And I got two out of three. Yeah, yeah. No dad, basically. And this dad wasn't very abusive in this episode. No, he was just annoying. Yeah. Like, he was just like overzealous dad. Yeah, he was overzealous dad, and we all have an overzealous Well, my dad is not very overzealous, minus the fact that he But would- every dad gets overzealous about something. It's, it, you gotta find that one trigger point, and then the dad will get overzealous. My dad ironed everything, including his tidy whities So I guess... There you go. There you go. Overzealous dad moment. My dad is... And he's obsessed with cameras, but not with photography. He has these expensive film and digital cameras, but he doesn't... He doesn't do anything with them. Like, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Well, people collect things. So, I like this episode a lot. (laughs) More than I liked the previous one. And the reason I did was um, because Gus fell in love with this white woman. And my three levels of watching it was like, of course he fell in love with a white woman because he was supposed to. Hashtag. Well, my question actually for you was, (laughs) how did you like your wine? Actually, it's not bad. I'm sick, so I have to blow my nerves to get a good taste of it. But it's actually not bad. And I think it's because this plain bottled, this plain labeled, plain bottled wine wasn't pretentious. It was just, here's some wine that you might enjoy. We care about the wine. We do good work. And actually, let me read the link. Because it's actually a really great... Oh, fuck. I can't reach it. I put it too far away. Oh fuck. I've turned off all my lights too. I've been very romantic. As grape growers, (laughs) as grape growers, we hold high regard for the mindful tending of the soil and exacting knowledge of the cellar. That's all it says. It's one sentence. It doesn't talk about, like, the grapes. It doesn't talk about the taste of anything. That's the anti-critter. Yeah. It does have critter, but it's a very subtle critter. And it's actually, it's an unpretentious white wine. It's not fancy. It tastes like a Sauvignon Blanc. It's not trying to like... So I watched this great documentary on Netflix called Sour Grapes. And it's about this Asian guy like tricking... uh, This Indonesian uh, Asian guy tricking all these like highfalutin... 
like uh, wine actually is, mm-hmm. and it's fake wine. And he got he got one over on all of them. He's in prison right now, but so they found him out. <laughs> so don't do it yourself. But I love when rich people have to spend money on bullshit because it, they keep up with the Jerseys. So I absolutely love this. I was rooting for him the whole time. I was like, awesome. So what would you give it out of nine? I think it's seven and a half. It's All not right. bad. It's an unpretentious bottle of Sauvignon Blanc. It tastes like a Sauvignon Blanc should. And, like, it doesn't have, like, I, I'm i sick. So I had to taste it on, like, blowing my nose. But it's an unpretentious bottle of Sauvignon Blanc. And it's good. It's not terrible. It's not... I actually... Okay, I'm going to give it... I'm going to lower it. Because it's not... The most beautiful bottle of Sauvignon Blanc. It's like a, so it's like a six. Yeah. You you just knocked a point and a half off. Yeah, because it's just a plain bottle of Sauvignon Blanc. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I was not particularly in love with this Tempranillo. I'm not gonna lie. I think there's a reason it was on sale. <laughs> uh, the first sip I had of it, which was before we started recording, was god awful, and I let. It airy and it wasn't so bad, but now it's coming back around to not great. Ah. So I am also going to go with a six out of ten. Like, here's the thing, though. Okay, so this is my three layers thing. Like, it is what Sauvignon Blanc should taste like. It's not, it doesn't, but it doesn't taste special. It's just California Sauvignon Blanc. That's all it is. It's not pretentious. It's not, you wouldn't present this as a gift. But... You would definitely have it with your, with your fish, with your chicken, with your, whatever you take white wine with. Like, it is a good white wine, but it's not the greatest white wine I've ever had. So I'm not really sure what to grade this. Okay, well, we've got to wrap things up. You can always follow us on our Twitters. You can follow, find me at Classlicity. And you can find me at SDM Rights and Asalaamu Alaikum to Christchurch, New Zealand. Fuck, our hearts go out to you guys. Well, you can also follow us on our official Twitter, and you should do that right away if you aren't already, because we are going to be putting up our poll. That's right. This is the fourth episode of the show that we have watched, which means you, our listeners, get to vote on what we watch after our fifth episode, which we will reveal next time. And we have a fun little theme uh, both Sabrina and I are going to nominate two of our favorite cozy mysteries that we haven't covered yet. So there should be some fun ones in there. Oh, yes. So last time when I said, don't vote for Psych, everyone voted for Psych. So I should say, don't vote for Follett. And maybe everyone voted for <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. You can also find and subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcaster of choice. But please, please leave us a nice little review and a rating, five-star rating, and tell your friends, and we'll toast to you on the show. Um, we would also like to say, say fuck, I've been doing <laughs> We would also like to say a major thank you to Anton Koryakov, hey, who wrote- spasiba. Oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> I've been drinking. <laughs> we would also like to say spasiba. Spasiba. To- Spasiba. To Anton Koryakov, who wrote The Simple Life, or Simple Life, no the, off the album for a start. Till next time. <laughs>